Amen. You can be seated. If you will forgive me, I guess. Permit me or forgive me. Maybe both. I know I'm not the first to have used what I'm about to use. But the other day it came to me. You know, this isn't this isn't really my message, but I was listening to the radio the other day, 95.1 or 91.9, I forget which one, and, and, and the, uh, the uh, host said that, you know, I, I sure hope the Lord comes soon. Or, and I think they even said before November the 8th, and partly in addition to the obvious, because they were referring also to this whole clown thing going on, and apparently there's supposed to be some gathering somewhere of clowns' lives matter. But, but she made the point, I hope that Jesus comes, and, 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 and has anyone thought recently... Or some of you, maybe somebody said it. Lord, I wish you'd come before November the 8th. Anybody? Nobody? Really? I'm quite surprised. Y'all are really shocking me. Y'all are either just being dishonest or I'm just surprised. Anybody thought? Nobody's thought that. Nobody's, that thought's crossed your mind. Y'all are all too spiritual for that, right? Well, I guess good for you that you didn't raise your hand anyway. Because the thought hit me when I heard that. How does it feel to be God? Lord, would you hurry up and come before November the 8th and get us out of here? That'd be kind of like saying, you know, would would you marry me before the end of the year so I can file joint taxes next year? How sad is it that our attitude of Lord come quickly is just simply to bail us out. I've come to preach to you tonight for a few minutes and and we, we, we were supposed to try to be done here in time to make the transition to prayer and all that for call to war. But I really believe the Lord dropped something into my spirit the other day for this service. Whether or not Obviously, I trust that you all just told the truth that you haven't thought that or something along those lines. Something just hit me a couple of days ago that I don't think as Christians, as Bible-believing people, we should be so down and depressed and discouraged about where we are. I know it's chaos and confusion and a mess. But the scripture says if you've got hope in this life only, then you are of all men most miserable. So if you would forgive me to borrow from some literature to start my message tonight, I will read some scripture to you in a few minutes. But this is what came to me the other day, and as I looked into it a little bit more, I thought it was pretty fitting 
The novel, A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, was set in London and Paris before and during the French Revolution. The novel depicts the plight of the French pleasantry, peasantry demoralized by the French aristocracy in the years leading up to the revolution. The corresponding brutality demonstrated by the revolutionaries toward the former aristocrats in the early years of the revolution and many unflattering social parallels with life in London during the same period. And here is, well, let me finish this part. Dickens' famous opening sentence introduces the universal approach of the book. The French Revolution and the drama depicted within... It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the, the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us and nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison only I've come this isn't a title I don't actually have a title tonight I apologize Jalen I'll try to figure one out by tomorrow morning for you but I've come to declare tonight it may appear to be the worst of times but there's another side to the coin because while on one hand it may be the worst of times, I believe that we as the church are in the best of times. No, 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 no. I don't mean with this is the best it's going to get. I don't mean this is as great as it's going to be. But what I mean is in spite of what's going on, out there in spite of what's going on around us we are a part of something that is not going down it is not being defeated it is not falling apart but God is in control Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number 1 says this but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When? Somebody say when. Not if. Not possibly. Not, a ch not, not by chance. Not a not a chance but when you pass through the waters I will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee when thou walkest through the fire thou shalt not be burned 
Sorry, I lost the cufflink. Time out for a shout. That's why you ought to wear buttons and not cufflinks. Don't tell me you never popped a button. Make sure the other ones, make sure my shoes are tied while I'm at it. You see my socks? There is no orange or yellow in my outfit, but I'm just trying to keep up with the sock game around here, and that's the best I could do. So I'm sorry. My apologies. My wife is very red now. Oh my God, how'd he get out of the house with those? I walked with my, made sure my pants weren't showing so I could get here. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When, 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 not if, not might, not maybe, when. Boy, God was here about an hour ago. He's still here. Did he leave? No. I don't think so. When you walk through the fire, when you walk through the fire, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Did we not throw three men into the fire? Lo, I see four. And when they brought the three out of the fire, not only did they not get burned, but the Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke. Uh, I, maybe I'm just preaching to me tonight, but I just, I'm tired of this little bit of gloominess we all seem to be living under. The bottom line is it doesn't matter what happens in the next couple of weeks, and it doesn't matter what happens on November the 8th. Do you think we got here and God's looking down on this mess thinking, how did we get here? You think God's looking down on all this chaos and surprised and taken off guard by it? No, a thousand times no. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because thou art with me. The sad thing is there's a bunch of people walking through the next couple of weeks all by themselves. But I preach to people tonight that whatever the next couple of weeks hold, no matter what the next couple of months hold, no matter what the next few years or decades may hold, I do not walk through this by myself, but thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so wherever I go, you're going to be with me. And for that reason alone, I will not fear. 
fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. John chapter 3 and verse number 13 says this, and I, I know some of you are going to need a doctrinal explanation of all of this. I don't have time to get all into that tonight. Needless to say, there's only one God. Not three. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Wait a minute. He came down from heaven, but he is in heaven. The Amplified says it this way, Yet no one has ever gone up to heaven, but there is one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man himself, who is, dwells, has his home in heaven. Young's literal translation, No one hath gone up to heaven except the one who out of the heaven came down, the Son of Man who is in heaven. That tells me that while he was on the earth, he was also someplace else. Hello? While he was facing the challenges and the difficulties and the obstacles that he had to go through, he wasn't just here. He was also there. Hebrews says it like this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Oh God, help us tonight that while we are down here and in the middle of all of this, we can also Rise above this and say, I see what's going on down here, but I also know something that's a whole lot bigger than what's down here. And while it may be the worst of times on one hand, it's also about to be the best of times on the other hand, because God is not about to be outdone by any human being. And God is not about to be outdone by any amount of spiritual opposition I don't know what the next few years hold that we've got to walk through but I've got a promise that I can walk through the fire and I will not be burned I've got a promise that I can walk through the rivers I can walk through the floods and it will not overtake me but somehow I've got to learn to get my eyes off of all of this and get my eyes onto something else Paul said it this way we walk by faith And not by sight. I, I really, I'm, I, I don't want to minimize this to sounding like I'm simply preaching about what's about to happen one way or the other in this country. But I just know I've been, I've, I've been involved in some conversation and it's always just gloomy. It's gloomy. I said it Thursday night. I don't think we win either way. But at the same time, 
We are not here for survival. We are not here to just survive somehow until the end. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That's a great thing. That's a wonderful thing for you and I. But really the next verse is what to me matters the most. Because it says unto him be glory in the church. Unto him be glory in the church. That means whatever the future holds for the church. It doesn't matter. It ultimately, I know it may, I, I know we may have to face some things in the natural, but it doesn't matter who gets appointed to the Supreme Court. It doesn't matter if they're liberal and they, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because there is going to be a church. It doesn't matter because you can't outlaw the church. You can't legislate the church because you can't legislate God. Unto him be glory in the church. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might, might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Why? So that he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having spot, a wrinkle, or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. A glorious church. He's going to present it to himself as a glorious church. You stand there at the altar if you are a groom, and you look down the aisle and you wait for your bride to appear. I have never been to a wedding where I have seen a bride step to the back aisle with hair that was a mess and a gown that was torn, dirty. She looked like she just got out of the worst fight of her life. But all eyes turn. Some gasp at the sight of the bride as she's about to make her way down the aisle to meet her groom. Does, does anybody understand tonight that's who we are? That's what we are. A glorious church. Not going to be a defeated church. We are not going to be a hobbling, crippled, weakened, surviving church because when we pass through the water we're going to pass through the water and when we go through the fire we're going to go through the fire because our steps have been ordered by 
the Lord. Our steps have been ordered by the Lord. Our steps are not ordered by culture. Our steps are not ordered by society. Our steps are not ordered by an election. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. I realize we've said, and again, please, I, I'm not, I don't mean this strictly. This message is not as strictly in the context of a political season that we're in, but forgive me for using that. We, we, I've said it. I've heard others say it. We, we've never been at a time like this before. We've never been in an election like this before. We've, we've never been in a season like this before. And, and, and I don't think we have. But does anybody tonight remember the fact that God has already been here. He is not only omnipotent, all-powerful. He is not only omniscient, all-knowing. He is also omnipresent. And omnipresent is not just in space, but it's in time. He's already been here. Not only has he already been here, but when I read this book, I find some moments throughout this book where people like us had been at times like us. And before they ever got there, God already had it orchestrated, figured out, knew exactly what he was going to do and how he was going to intervene. Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 17 says, It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. God will surely visit you. You see, the problem was, and I don't know how much Joseph understood it before he died, but Exodus chapter 1 tells us that after the death of Joseph, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. And he said unto Joseph, uh, he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are come. The people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. I don't know what's going to happen, but we've already heard something kind of along these. You Christians got to change your beliefs. You got to change what you stand for. 
Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. We got to get rid of them. We got to deal with them because they're a threat to us. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built the Pharaoh treasured cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more, but the more they afflicted them, but the more they afflicted them, the more they oppressed them, the more they resisted them, the more they came against them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. It is not God's will for the church to be grieved because of the world. I'm not talking about a burden for sinners and the lost. That's not what I mean. But it's not God's will for us to be grieved over the condition of the world. It's God's will for the world to be grieved about us. Because it doesn't matter what you do with those apostolics. It doesn't matter what you do with those Bible-believing Christians. The more you oppose them, it's the will of God that just like... The children of Israel in Egypt, the more we are opposed, the more we multiply. And so Moses takes the bones of Joseph because Joseph said, you will not be here forever. You will not be here forever. You're not going to be here for the rest of your history. There's coming a point in time that God is going to lead you out. I don't know if he understood all of the bondage that was about to come. However, they had a word. They had something to live off of. Because the man said, the man of God said, when, not if. Oh, Jesus. Not if, but when you go. Take my bones with you. I know I'm not going to live to see it. I'm not going to be around when it happens. But you're going to go. And when you go to the place God promised you, if I'm not mistaken, Jacob said to Joseph, God is going to take you back to the land of promise. Not only did Joseph have his own dreams, but he had his father telling him, this isn't where it's going to end. This isn't how it's going to end. Before it's all over with, you're going home. Before it's all over with, God's going to fulfill his promises. I, I understand we, we've lived for years and years not seeing what we want to see and believing to see 
in times that have not been necessarily all that challenging. And so we look at an uncertain future. And perhaps because of our past, we fear what's coming in the future. But what we ought to understand is God just seems to have this pattern of waiting until things don't really seem to be the proper time. Seems to be not necessarily the most opportune time for God to decide to show up Oh, Jesus. So I declare tonight, as we get ready to enter a season of prayer, on one hand, it does seem to be the worst of times. But on the other hand, I believe that if we will just decide what we are going to look at, what are we going to put our eyes on? Psalmist said it in Psalm 73. I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I got to see what was going on in their life and paraphrasing, but he said it looked like everything was good for them. Looked like everything they did worked out fine and everything went well, but as for me, my steps had almost slipped until I got in to the sanctuary. When I got into the presence of God, something happened. I know I've preached it before, I've said it before, but forgive me for using it again tonight. Circumstances did not change. It wasn't a change of circumstances that happened while he was in the sanctuary. What happened while he was in the sanctuary was his perspective changed. He came into the sanctuary looking at the worst of times. He came into the sanctuary overwhelmed by the circumstances he was in. But when he got into the sanctuary, he got his eyes up. He got his eyes on something different. And instead of slipping, he held his ground all because his circumstances or his perspective changed. Is it Elijah or Elisha? Forgive me, somebody help me. That surrounded by the Syrians. And his servant comes and says to him, we have a big problem. We are surrounded by an army. And the prophet simply says this, Lord, open his eyes. I, I, I just, I just, I can imagine that servant looking at the prophet saying, you're missing it. It ain't my eyes that need to be open. My eyes are working just fine. Your eyes need to be open. We are surrounded. But he said, Lord, open his eyes. 
Open his eyes for this reason. So that he can see that those that are for us, those that are for us, are more than those that are against us. Father, I pray that in this sanctuary tonight, even right now, God, that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see that what is for us is greater than what is against us. God, that we would be able to recognize that whatever the opposition is we have seen, what you have sent for us is far superior than what we see that is against us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, why don't you join me right now and for yourself, would you pray that prayer tonight? God, open my eyes, open my eyes, God, that I might be able to see that what is for me and what is for us is greater than anything that is against us. Whatever is against us, whatever may have us surrounded, God, you have sent something that is greater than what is against us. Open our eyes tonight, God. Just as you open the eyes of the servant, open our eyes tonight, God. I want to see you. Open our eyes to see beyond what we are looking at in the natural. Open our eyes to see beyond the circumstances we are perceiving in the natural. Let us rise above, God, and see something else. Let us rise above and see what it is that you see. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want, I want every, I want every elder, congregation elder, daughter work elder, sorry, I want every Sunday morning ministry leader, I want you to come stand with me right now. Quickly, just come stand down front, you lead a Sunday morning ministry. I'm going to step out. I trust Brother Grossbach. I'm going to step out on what he's just said. I prayed last, last night, weekly prayer meeting, mother congregation prayer meeting. I was praying. I started walking around the sanctuary 
there were a couple of here that had left. And I started walking around this sanctuary. And I started praying this. God, you had all of these seats that are here are not here by accident. And I said this in my prayer. I might be taking this a little bit out of context, God. But when the widow woman had a need, you told, through the prophet, you told her to gather every vessel, every empty vessel she could gather. And when she gathered that empty, all of those empty vessels, there was enough oil to fill every vessel. And until every vessel was filled, the oil flowed. I'm, I'm just, I'm being honest. I may be taking it all out of context. I'm telling you that right now. But I prayed last night, God, if you could fill every empty vessel that she brought into the house, then every one of these chairs represents a vessel that you can fill. And, and I prayed this, I'm sorry, brethren, I've come, I'm bringing you here to join me, if you will. Because I didn't pray, I know I'm the senior elder of the mother congregation, but I didn't pray this for you guys. I prayed last night that on Sunday mornings, not Sunday nights, a bunch of you haven't been here on Sunday morning. This morning was the first time in four months that the front half was anywhere near to being sort of full and there was still space. We don't even use all those chairs in the back half on Sunday morning. I don't know how many of you know that. But on Sunday morning, every seat, God, you tell me out of 500,000 people in this county, there's not 500 people that are ripe and ready right now? What's that chapel seat? I know you only get it once a month. What's that chapel seat? A thousand? Brother Gross, what can you put in that room there at Pinewood Village? About a hundred? What can you guys put over on the Eastern Shore? About 250? What can you put? About a hundred? Eighty? About two hundred? One fifty? Sixty? That means in every one of these, there's space. Why don't we look beyond right now what we see with our natural eye and see? Not, listen, hold on, we get ready to pray. But here's what I pray I don't want this building filled on Sunday morning so we can reach capacity and we're done. The faith is to get it filled, but if it gets filled, or excuse me, when it gets filled, we're doing something else to make more room. Right. It's not to reach capacity and we're done, but I think it's time for us to reach capacity where we are and then reach out even more. So if you will join us and you will join your faith with us, I know what it's been like. I know what it's looked like. I know what it's felt like. But open our eyes to see 
that what is for us is greater than what is against us. If you'll join your faith with our faith right now, would you stand and let's agree together. God, open our eyes right now, not to see what we have seen with our natural eyes, but to see through the eyes of the Spirit, to see through the eyes of faith. Let us see through the eyes of faith an unprecedented harvest. God, right now, through the eyes of faith, let us see an unprecedented harvest in this congregation, in these ministries, in the name of Jesus. It might be the worst of times on one hand, but we are believing you, God, that on the other hand, it is and it will be the best of times. I want to see you. We take dominion and authority over every doubt, over every spirit of fear, over every spirit of unbelief that wars against our minds. In the name of Jesus, let us see through eyes of faith. Let us see through eyes of faith. Why don't you right now, in some of your own personal situations, why don't you ask God to give you eyes to be able to see that what is for you is greater than what's been against you. We've got a few more moments. If there's something in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit right now that you need God to give you some eyes to see beyond that circumstance or situation, why don't you take a step of faith right now? Step down to this altar and why don't you let God in this moment right now open your eyes? Open our eyes. Open our eyes right now. Open our eyes right now to see God. Open our eyes right now to see. To see beyond what we have been seeing. To see beyond what we've been feeling. To see that what is for us is greater than what is against us. That what is on our side is far greater than anything that might be against us. God help somebody that while my feet might be on earth, but as you were to also be in heaven where I am above, where I rise above circumstances and situations on this earth and in this world to see God to see with eyes of faith let me see through the eyes of faith let me see God 
let me see with the eyes of faith. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the Give me the confidence. We may have been in bondage. We may have lived in bondage. But that's not the way it ends. That's not the end of the story. We've got a promise of deliverance. We've got a promise of salvation. We've got a promise of an unprecedented move and work of your spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We declare tonight, God, we declare tonight that what is for us is greater than anything that is or anything that can be against us. We declare that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. If God be for us, if God be for us, then who can be against us? If God be for us, then who can be against us? Hallelujah. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you manifest. I want to see your power and your glory manifest. Holy, holy. Oh, I want to see you. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy. Holy, holy. I want to see you. I want to see you. Holy, holy. Holy, holy. Oh, I want to see you. I want to see you. Hallelujah. Open. Open the eyes. Open the eyes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes. Oh, I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Come on, sing it as your prayer as we close. Come on, not just the words of a song, but sing it as your prayer. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. 
I want to see you. I want to see you. Oh, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you one more time.